artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep neural nets. Many products and services today, especially in the cybersecurity realm, promise to bring these innovations to users, but what does it all mean? Is it helpful to call anything AI when so many things are called AI? To help me untangle this question, I'm speaking with Chris Lovejoy, CEO of Blue Vector. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Matt. Lovely to be here. With AI, machine learning, neural networks, what's different about it today that we weren't seeing a year or two or five ago? I am a 20-year cynic. AI, machine learning, deep learning, these it's almost criminal, the use of these uh, terms by the vendors today. Pretty much anybody that has analytics embedded in their system is calling it a form of AI. And it's it's confusing the marketplace, and frankly, I think it's incredibly unfair to the consumer. Um, but you know, that's just me being a cynic. So yes, the difference, um, you know, from over the past five years is that people are recognizing that you know it's state of the art and state of the art sells. So everybody's slapping AI on their websites. What is it buying us that it wasn't buying us before? Let me go back and kind of. Um, deobfuscate this a little bit because I know it, it, this is a pretty confusing set of terms for most people. Um, so I, I like to think of AI, um, you know, artificial intelligence as, you know, sort of being a concept that was sort of initially devised back in the 50s to make computers more useful and capable of independent reasoning. And so there was a lot of exploration on the topic, um, you know, by academics, by Department of Defense, by DARPA, you know, doing things like, you know, trying to figure out, you know, the best route uh, for, you know, taking uh, your car, you know, in traffic. So, you know, think about that as being one of the first implementations is kind of the, uh, uh, is ways. Now, um, today, um, the best way to think about AI and all of these other terms like deep learning, neural networks, machine learning is that AI is an umbrella, um, meaning, you know, computers capable of independent reasoning. And then there is the implementation of AI in things like machine learning. And machine learning is the process of building and, and automating um, analytical models. And so what it's doing is it's using statistics and research um, to find insights in data without being explicitly programmed where to look and what to conclude. Now, machine learning has two basic forms to it, unsupervised machine learning and supervised machine learning. So to pick a market sector, like the one Blue Vector is in, where firms are looking for anomalies, What's new? What you're seeing in the market today, the, what you referred to as sort of anomaly detection, is quite frankly, the next iteration of anomaly detection. So, you know, let's sort of go back to defining our terms. Once upon our time, the first signature engines that we used were based on something called a Bayesian model. And the Bayesian model creates a relationship between variables through you know, a human being doing lots of research and then creating a model for how anomalous detection should work by looking at patterns. Now, what's happened is technologies have been introduced that implement an automated form of this Bayesian network modeling. 
And what happens over time is that you put the system in place and it collects a whole lot of data. And oftentimes that data really helps it understand things like, is somebody trying to leak data? Now, once upon a time when we were using signatures and patterns, a human being would sort of look at the data and write the pattern. Now, if I see a social security number passing through the network, that's bad, create a trigger. Now, today what's happening is these unsupervised network monitoring or endpoint monitoring solutions are creating big sets of data and learning from that data as to, you know, this is normal. And then when I see something that falls out of the range of normal, then this becomes a triggerable event. Now, these are pretty simplistic tools, quite frankly. And the reason is because it's very, very hard for these tools to understand good versus bad. So oftentimes when they're looking at network activity, they're creating their models based on bad. So there's a second kind of technology that is harder to design and harder to implement. And this is, you'll find this more infrequently in the marketplace, but it's called supervised machine learning. Now, supervised machine learning is pre-taught. Think about it as it's getting a head start because what's happening is a teacher is training the models to understand what's good and bad from day one. And so all of their learning happens on top of a model. And so there is a way for it to sort of jumpstart understanding what needs to happen based on sort of the execution of that training. Now, going to deep learning, deep learning takes supervised machine learning to the next level. Deep learning basically will help or reinforce what the supervised machine learning models have implemented. So what will happen is, as an example, in some of the technologies that are being used for cybersecurity today, if I want to use, uh, find a threat, let's say the tool makes a mistake. What a reinforcement learning tool will do, it will learn from its mistakes. It will learn both from what it does right as well as learn from its mistakes. And that is sort of the next evolution of machine learning, which is also referred to as reinforcement learning. And there is another version of that sort of next iteration, which is deep learning. Deep learning essentially uses, a, it's a very similar model. It's built on top of a supervised machine learning models and works a, a tiny little bit differently, but essentially it is enabling a system to use lots and lots and lots of different layers, also called neural networks, to kind of find an answer. So for instance, if I'm you know, trying to figure out if something is a cat, the system has been pre-trained to understand what a cat is. So then the system will take the picture of the cat and it will push it through lots and lots of layers. First question, is it the size of a cat? Yes. If it's the size of a cat, go to the next layer. Does it have hair? Yes. Okay, go to the next layer. Does it have teeth? Yes. And it keeps going layer by layer by layer until it can come up with a probability as to whether or not that thing is a, an actual cat. Now, the last form of machine learning, a supervised machine learning stroke, deep learning reinforcement learning, also called deep reinforcement learning, is the use of that cat model that I just described, reinforcement learning, but with 
another twist, which is it learns from its mistakes. Because remember when I said, gee, one of the questions is, does the cat have hair? What if it's a hairless cat? Maybe the system was trained the wrong way. A deep reinforcement learning tool will actually learn from its mistakes and recognize the hairless cat the next time around. So I know I just said a, a lot, but that's basically the implementations of machine learning within the world today. So just to take that example one step further, who is telling the system that in reality there is such a thing as hairless cats? That's interesting. Now, in today's world, that's where the human being comes in, because the human being has the knowledge to make the decision as to whether or not this is true or not. So the reality is we have not reached the place where systems are fully autonomous. You've got a human being in the loop. So when it comes to the use of deep reinforcement learning in cybersecurity, what will happen is typically speaking, you'll have a tool that is pre-taught. So it recognizes threats with great efficiency and effectiveness. So figure you know, 99% ability to accurately detect a file-based or file-less attack in real time. Now, what will happen is that the probability models will engage. And because of the multiple layers that they're using, the probability score that you'll get is usually pretty high for things that are bad and pretty low for areas where, yeah, it has teeth, but it doesn't have hair and it's bigger than a cat. So probably it's a dog. So I'm going to give it a low probability. Now, in that particular case, the human looks at that particular event and says, yes, indeed, this is a, you know, this is bad. This is wrong. This is a false positive where the system will learn the next time based on the features associated with that particular thing that was triggered as being a false positive. Or alternatively, what will happen is the, you know, the system will just say, hey, I was right. And it'll reinforce the fact it was right. Now, you may ask yourself, gee, doesn't that make it really easy for you to game the system? And this is what everybody is worried about when it comes to weaponizing AI. Isn't it possible to game the system and to teach the system to recognize bad information? And the fact is, statistically, it's very hard. When we're talking about these probability models, what you're talking about are hundreds or thousands or millions of decisions that are being made. What will happen is no system is going to retrain itself based on one piece of data. What it needs to do is collect a statistical sampling that can be verified. And so it will begin to learn which of those features, hair, no hair, big versus small, teeth versus no teeth, need to be reincorporated into the system. Now, what I would say is that if you're a buyer, right, and you want to buy AI-based technologies, you really need to try it before you buy it, because at the end of the day, these tools solve a problem. Now, the only way you're going to be able to figure out whether it actually solves your problem is not from the market messaging, but by trying the tool or alternatively talking or working with somebody else who has done it. Because quite frankly, I don't think you can trust anybody's marketing today. Caveat emptor still applies. <laughs> exactly. Chris, thanks so much for your time and insights today. Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure being here. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thank you for joining us.